was the Goblin King, oh the Goblin King It's so good to meet you, you great big thing I can see you're having a fun day Meet my friend, she's Ruby Sunday It's good to meet you, good to greet you Good to say how diddly did you It's my birthday, my oh my I'm 50 miles up in the sky The goblins you can go to hell That jarring cacophony tells you you're back with the Power of Three podcast. Good to see you. Good to see you. How diddly deet you. I'm Kenny Smith. And I'm back with a couple of my pals that probably gave away what we're going to be discussing today. You've probably seen it in the show notes anyway. But yes, we're having a chat about the church on Ruby Road. As I said, I'm Kenny Smith. And person who's furthest away from me geographically, you can say hello first this time and a happy new year to you. And a happy new year to you, Kenny. I'm just checking my geography was okay. Um, give a big thumbs up to John. I've obviously got the right place. My name's Stephen Day. Everyone calls me Stevie. And I have recovered from New Year. Not that I needed to recover, but just recovering from not working. <sighs> bless, bless. Hi, everyone. I'm John. Although I'm nearer to uh, Kenny than Stevie, Stevie and I both share a PA postcode, a Paisley postcode, mm. I believe. Yeah, we do. It's a small world, really, when you think about it. The timey-wimey ways of the post office, but hey, that could be a whole other controversial subject. <laughs> but recent drama outings, so let's just focus on Doctor Who. That sounds like a good idea to me. That sounds like a good idea. So, yes, diddly deet you to both of you. Our new greeting. Oh. Diddly deet you too. Diddly deet. Diddly deet. <laughs> so I t- assume that we both watched the Church on Ruby Road on Christmas Day. Oh yes, yeah, that that was a definite, I was cooking, so it was a definite, we're going to be finished here, we're going to be done, even if I had got my timings wrong, and five to, five to six, wasn't it? Five to six? Yes. Uh, yeah, and I will be sitting down regardless, so fortunately everything went to plan, and I watched it live. Well, I can't claim to watch it live, uh, I was um, on my way back from Helensburg at the time, or I think, uh, yeah, I was just my way back, but I was also entertaining with the family around, so uh, I didn't watch it until nearly midnight, so it was almost <gasps> Boxing Day when I watched it, but I just shaved it that I started to watch it um, on, on on Christmas Day. My goodness, that's I'm glad you managed it, because then we'd actually have to ostracise you if you hadn't, so... <laughs> Yes, that's that's all. That's all good. But yes, you made it just a bit like the Doctor and Ruby when they were climbing onto the goblin ship. But we'll come to that shortly. So, how many times have you both watched it? I have now watched this twice. Stevie? Twice for me. Twice for me too. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because my opinions on it have changed. I still love it, but in different ways. But what were your first impressions if if you'd give it a score out of ten on your first impressions, what would you've given it, John? I'd have given it a solid seven. Yep, Stevie. I would have given it a solid ten. Interesting. Okay. So, 
favourite moments then, Stevie? What's gripped you so much first time around? Well, there's a difficult question. It just grabbed me like Doctor Who should. I sat down, I watched, I was intrigued, I laughed, I smirked, I felt emotional, I enjoyed a story that just had a beginning, a middle and an end, plus all the little avenues were being laid for future things. And I just came away from it thinking, ah, that's proper who. I've enjoyed that. Thanks very much. Next, please. Well, that's the way it should be. John? Yep. Yeah, I mean, for me, the principal delight was simply having uh, a Christmas episode back again. And it was a, a classic Russell T. Davis Christmas episode in the sense that it was something you could watch through the fog of digesting turkey or whatever you had for your uh, Christmas dinner. Um, you didn't have to think particularly hard about anything. It was just a... a rollicking good romp uh, with lots of nice little festive bells and whistles added in so no i thoroughly enjoyed it as i said i i would have given it a solid seven at my first viewing my second watch i would have uh, i think i went up to a cautious eight and a half but no i really uh, i really loved having a a proper christmas episode um as we've heard before in previous discussions of the new year outings it's just not quite the same so uh it was lovely to have all the the christmas trimmings around for the new doctor's first proper outing i enjoyed the fact we had a christmas episode for me a christmas episode should be something that's set set apart uh, from as stevie and i discussed previously in the new year episode shouldn't really be part of an ongoing arc. I think it's quite nice to have that sort of take the brain out or quite literally if you're talking about Harmony Show and you can sit back and watch these episodes and just enjoy it and it should be all spectacle, you know, great set pieces like the Runaway Bride had with the TARDIS chase and things like that, things that you'll remember. And I think it was a very clever idea by Russell to give us the new Doctor in the giggle. So we've got to know him already the post-regeneration stuff's out the way so when we get the Christmas episode begins he's fully established he is the Doctor and I mean absolutely from the word go Shooty Gatwa is owns the role you can imagine that if it felt like you've been you know there's a confidence to him that he'd been playing the role for a while and just that costume is so fantastic just that that leather coat gives him that kind of shaft look and you know the brightly coloured top he's just effortlessly cool and full of charm and I mean, just the, the whole scene with it, the later scene that was added, you know, just like a couple of months ago with the, the Santa falling off the side of the shop. And I thought that was just brilliant. Just that, that discussion, having it with the, the policeman, little touch of eighth doctor stuff in there about knowing the future and things like that. And I love that and just thought that's effortless charm. We've had him whirling around in his kilt in the club. And then we just get him going back to the TARDIS and just effortlessly cool, effortlessly the doctor and just so much charm and fun and setting things up nicely for what's to come. Am I the only one who found this, or did you find that he pretty much felt like he'd owned the role for a while? I thought he was straight straight in there. Yeah, we did get to know him in the giggle, uh, which was clever, but yeah, effortless. Effortless. We're in there. You're, you're attracted to this character. He's got that smile. He's got that twinkle. That's the best way to describe it. And you're thinking, yeah, well, I'm coming with you. If if Ruby's not going to bother, take me, take me. It's that kind of, yeah, I'll go. Let's do it. And 
fantastic. And, you know, I mean, the set pieces, I mean, the, the punching out the snowman, we also got the pissed off doctor. You know, we got the whole gamut here. We got the, the happy-go-lucky, we got the, the sad, we got the angry, we got the I'm going to fix it, and then we got the lovely scene with the policeman. I hope we see him again, or I hope that's a short trip. I hope someone picks that up. If he doesn't get given a, a wee extended story, then there's something wrong there. Big finish then off. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree 100% with you there, Stevie, that I really had that sense of this is someone I want to spend time with. Uh, I guess it goes back to the the uh, the teaser trailer for the return of the show back in 2005. You know, do, do you want to come with me? A bit of me would be going, mm, I don't know. But this time around, if I was asked the same question, it would have been an emphatic, yes, absolutely. This is someone that I want to, to spend time with, to explore time and space with. As you were saying, Kenny, as well, just bags of charm. So much so, in fact, there was a little bit of me that was saying, are you too charming? Uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm not used to the Doctor being so engaging and and that, that might sound like a contradiction because obviously we've we've had so many fantastic actors playing the part but i was just maybe it was because we were spared or deprived depending on your viewpoint the kind of post-regenerative funk or fog or confusion just the fact that he was just so himself that just kind of almost made me trip up in my enthusiasm I thought, are you, you know, are you too good to be true? Almost. I mean, there's, there's, what was that description that Stephen Moffat came up with? Um, the Doctor's fun, he's charming, he's sexy, he's somebody you want to spend time with. In short, Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to disagree with that. Absolutely. Mr. Moff knows these things. Wouldn't he be great to write from? Anyway, let's, we're not going there yet. <laughs> and of course, Ruby Sunday. How do we find Ruby? Stevie? Yep. Uh, again, I took to the character very, very quickly. I, I think how she was introduced. It was interesting because, we, of course, we went with Davina McCall right from the beginning. And I wondered, well, where are we going with this? But Davina McCall, you can't really be going wrong here. She's well into it, well-known fan. Um, again, it was a character you just thought, no, I can sit and listen and watch you. Quite interested in what's going on. What is your story here? didn't need to know she was going to be a companion of the Doctor. It's, well, there's an interesting character. Right, let's get at your story. And then, of course, she had... Uh, I mean, we'll maybe discuss this later. I mean, we've got the goblins. I was reading them as gremlins, because that's all I was hearing. I was thinking back to the gremlins film, with the, the wee mm. hands coming up and pulling down cords. Obviously, couldn't pinch that idea, but, you know, her combined with those, and you thought, ah, this is, this is good. And you, again... You want to know what's happening. Where is she? Who's she? Where's she going? Who's this? And then, of course, you meet the extended family. So you meet the mum and you meet uh, Sherry. And yep. again, they all seem to mesh so nicely together along with Ruby. And then, of course, you're following Ruby, Doctor's background for a wee while. He's there, but he's background, so you're following her. And again, you're just thinking, yeah, great, nice character. What's going to happen? Yeah. I agree with with Stevie's take on it. You know, I, I'm a classic Russell T. Davis character. You can note that she's a kind of a lazy, 
cut out from a template, but you know, embodying a lot of the interesting character notes that we've seen in bits, not just in Doctor Who writing, but in some of his other stories as well. I mean, I was, you know, unlike the Doctor, unlike Shuti Gatwa, I, I didn't really know Millie at all. I, I hadn't watched any of her stuff before, so I had nothing to compare her performance with. I had nothing to colour my expectations of her performance either. So I really liked her. Uh, you know, just Steve was saying, just in that even that initial conversation, that scene talking about her as a, a foundling and so on, I thought, you know, that was really nicely pitched and I really enjoyed the dynamic between her and the Doctor. I thought they they gelled really well and the fact that he's got this interest in her, he's been looking out for her. There's lots of interesting stuff to come, I dare say. So yeah, I was really um, I really liked that and I, and I liked the fact that uh, Steve was saying that, you know, we're introduced to her adopted family, her found family, and there's just a lot of love and warmth there, but also a lot of good cracking humour as well, which is a yeah. a callback to to um, the Tylers as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely a, like a different family dynamic by introducing a grandmother in there as well, who's living there. Obviously, we've, we've seen Wilf as a grandfather, but it was um, a completely different dynamic. I mean, I loved that. I mean, my parents were foster parents for many years. And, I, and obviously we'd seen Bill being a foster child back in series 10 with PCAP. But I thought obviously this has been done very differently and she's grown up there. And I think the fact she's so warm, she's lovable, she's great fun. And best of all, she's got a <laughs> <laughs> So yes, um, but no, I think um, she's, I think she's really fun. She's very pretty, very likable. And I think that's something that Doctor Who's probably never had a pair of, dare I say, sexy leads like that before. David Tennant had more of a geekish charm to him, but with Shooty and Millie, I think you have got arguably the sexiest Doctor and companion combo ever. And I think they are, and just their dynamic and their energy together is great. And from the word go, from the Doctor running across the rooftops and thing, that's a new, different way to properly meet a new companion. And even the stuff in the nightclub when Millie sees him, or Millie, Ruby sees him sort of dancing and just sort of like making eyes at him, just like the swooning. And just think that's absolutely a genuine reaction when you'd see somebody in a club like that. And I thought, yeah, we've all been there at one point or another. And just, wow. And just, it's a really nice introduction. And the fact that we have an instant chemistry. We have to talk about the song. How do we stand in the song, John? <laughs> well... I, uh, when it came out, uh, when it was released on, on Spotify and other platforms, I gave it a listen. And then I gave it a listen for about another 500 times. Um, <laughs> I really surprised myself because I thought, I'm not going to enjoy this. And um, I just found myself listening to it over and over again. And in whatever way it, it made some sort of dent in the chart, I think a lot of that was down to my <laughs> constant and obsessive re-downloading of it over and over again. Um, there was just something really catchy about it. It's a Christmas episode, so it doesn't matter if it's completely bonkers. I like the little tweak about 
the pronunciation of scone and scone, uh, yes. a little nod for, for any indignant Scots that were that were um, trucking stuff at the at the TV. Uh, so if if by the song you mean then the the additional verses, the diddly deep verses, I uh, had a little nanosecond of cringe before I, I thought, no, hang on a minute, it's a Christmas episode. You know, it's entirely in keeping with that. It didn't pull me out of the story. It didn't diminish any sense of threat. Arguably, there wasn't all that much threat um, to be uh, avoided at that point anyway. And I just thought, well, this, this is, you know, it's showcasing their their talents as singers. Then when I saw the, um, the, the Doctor Who uh, Unleashed um, and the fact that they really didn't have any or much by way of prep time with it and they just were winging it I thought you know fantastic the money that was spent on there well certainly Shooty's spell at the uh, conservatoire was not wasted uh, and the same is true of Millie I thought they were I thought they were brilliant so uh, I didn't you know I, I, I didn't overreact the way that I think some people I've heard um, may have done maybe if they went a whole musical episode I might have a slightly different view on that, but as a Christmas episode, I thought, nah, it's fine, bring it on. I thought um, it was it, it was a total surprise for me that that was going to happen. Now, I hadn't listened to the Goblin song. I'd heard that it was about, just didn't have time. And then they came out and started singing it, and I thought, you know, that's catchy. I can understand why people liked it. And then when the two of them started singing, uh, instantly was right back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer once more with feeling. Don't know if you guys have seen that musical episode, but it is a a magnificent piece of television theatre and singing. And I thought, yeah, it's a wee nod to that. The only thing it might have needed was an explanation as to why they were so good at making up the words. That needed that little bit of goblin tied up magic that that gave them that. But you know, it it was Christmas. It was totally acceptable. I think, John, that if they do a musical episode and they do it right. I'll be smiling and singing along and saying it's the greatest thing ever. Again, Strange New World, Star Trek, they've done a complete musical episode. I've only seen bits of it, but it works if it's done well. And they, those guys definitely have the voices and the talent to carry that off. Whether you could have singing Daleks, maybe I should have a word with Russell. Maybe I should just have a wee sit down and say, listen, do you know how you said you'd like to have, I've got this idea. I mean, if the if the premise is is right, then absolutely, there's no problem. I, you know, you, you mentioned once more with feeling. You know, that's that's it, it, it's perfectly consistent with with the story. You know, yeah. so if you if you've got a reason for it, then um, then I'm I'm in. You know, and it's yeah. no surprise you would like it because you you're notorious. Yep. So when you say you're in, you're in for writing it and going down and singing in it, or you're just no, I would be, I would, I would certainly not be averse to, to having some part in it if people want to offer me that. You know, I've been told Kenny, that you're the guy with the, voice. the endless uh, email address thing. I think you need to drop a few, a few notes. Say there's a couple of Scottish guys who've got some good ideas here. Okay, my bottomless address book. Narrator. Oh yes, I've got one of those as well. Yeah, uh huh. Interesting. But you're more of a vibrato, you know, Kenny. 
I I think I'm more baritone. Right. Okay. But, um, we'll, we'll have a that's we'll, we'll save the Power of Three singing episode for later in the year, where everything oh, must be done in the style of a Gilbert and Sullivan musical. Everything has got to be sung. Oh, I'm working on it right now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> I have to. I enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting the Doctor and Ruby to sing, and that I just laughed when I saw that because. I was watching this when I was down south for Christmas with family, and uh, it was, I made sure I was there for 5.55. In fact, I was there for 5.50, just in case it started early, but obviously it didn't. Isn't it that those times, just think, hurry up and finish program for this one, watch Doctor Who. feel like I'm like seven again. And uh, no, I really enjoyed it. I loved the song. I'd listened to it a few times and watched the video on YouTube, as I'm uh, very 20th century and don't have Spotify. I could have played it through my Alexa, but uh, I didn't. And uh, Katie, I mentioned it to her, and she looked up the Goblin song and she thought it was hilarious and very dark and loved all the words and and just thought it was very very funny and just thought that's it again. That's a good thing if you can get the the teenagers thinking that's really funny. And I know she's watched it a few times and she sent me the clips on TikTok as well. So that's a good sign if the kids are sort of vaguely interested, even if it's just on TikTok we need to come back to um, then yeah I think it's uh, it's a good thing and I've had no issue whatsoever I, I found it very funny and the, the spur of the moment singing I think it's just a case of them the Doctor and the fabulous Ruby were just caught up in the spirit of the moment so they had to join in and, and go for it because after all it was Christmas Eve for them so yes absolutely all explainable exactly how about the goblins did we find them interesting? The fact there was no explanation for them, really? I don't think you need an explanation for them. I just think they were there and they were snacking on babies and timey-wimey babies at Christmas time. And did you did you really need to know much about them? As I say, to me, they were gremlins. I could pretend they're gremlins. I'll continue to pretend they're gremlins. And all the not things and the not technology and this and that. That's fine. It doesn't need to be explained to an nth degree. And if people are wanting to complain that it's not scientifically accurate, you're thinking, well, yeah, okay, I, I refer you, my lud, to the last 60 years. <laughs> Very much so. John, did you enjoy the, the goblins and the Goblin King? I, I, I did. I thought I thought they were, they were um, well used. Um, there is quite an established kind of folklore around uh, goblins and their baby snatching, baby eating proclivities and uh, they do have a bit of a kind of Christmas lore too so that um, I kind of found that found out about that closer to the, the, the time itself. I thought why 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 goblins? Um, so yeah I thought that was good. We had a bit of a discussion when the family was over on Christmas night before I'd actually watched the episode but my niece was talking about her daughter, my great niece, who's three. She'll soon be four. And she's very into the labyrinth just now. An unusual thing, maybe for a kid that young, I don't know. But but she's she's big into goblins. Um and I kinda mentioned, well, oddly enough, uh, and um showed a little clip of the of the goblin song. And she's like, Oh, she'll absolutely love that, you know? So I thought that was quite nice that something, you know, would literally span generations of, of people from a little four-year-old who's discovering goblins for the first time to hoary old uh, H-O-A-R-Y uh, hoary old timers like me you know, so I, I, th- I, th- I thought they were good 
I loved the whole stuff about the language of ropes and, and, and all of that. I thought that was really well done and the, the, the fantastic image of the of the skyship, you know. I thought that was brilliant. So yeah, big thumbs up from me. I loved the, uh, the 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 reference to Flash Gordon with the death of the Goblin King. I loved that. With the, the spire going through the Goblin King. Very, very intimating yes. the merciless. Yep. We'll come back to that because I've I had some interesting thoughts on that. Uh, maybe me reading too much into it, but there we go. Uh, but just I mentioned earlier TikTok, and something that uh, I was chatting with a, a writer friend of mine, and he was saying that he found it very interesting that quite a lot of the story you could pretty much, you know, for the kids they could be on their phones watching it, and then they could dip out of it, go back to their phones and then tune back into it and they probably wouldn't have missed much because of the set pieces because it's like in many ways it's like a Bond film going from set piece to set piece with linked chatty bits and I thought that was I thought that was quite an interesting observation I suppose Top Shoe's always done like that in a way but this way it's probably never been done with such money being spent on it and the pacing and direction of it so I thought that was quite a fair comment and it was quite interesting. Um, Talking about, about yeah. TikTok, I've just sent you uh, on our um, highly encrypted and cryptic WhatsApp chat um, a, f- a photograph there. Did you did you see the... Oh, I see that, yes. filter that the, the BBC produced uh, where you could transform that. yourself into... You could transform yourself into a goblin. So that's me as a goblin. Um, that's very good. I hadn't seen that. <laughs> So, yeah, I've still got one like the old one Capaldi was going where you could do the regeneration filter and you can sort of angle your head and then it looked like we were regenerating. I've screenshotted that somewhere and got a got a bit of me going. I don't remember who I turned into, but uh, again, that's the whole point. Uh, we shouldn't know our futures yet. Um, so yeah, I, I really found that was an interesting thought. Now the bit at the end that where I did start sort of you know raise some eyebrows you know, with the cracks appearing when the ruby was taken. But that's you know, quite interesting. There were sub- substantial cracks. I mean, I read that effectively as being cracks in time with Ruby having been taken. And it was interesting to see the effect on her adopted mum with the, you know, without all the foster children and how she was a better person for having been a mum. And I found that really interesting, sort of that, um, you know, she's a, how, how Ruby has made her life better. In a lot of ways, and it's like that sort of—it's a wonderful life kind of element in there as well, yep. which I thought yep. was quite subtly done. I wondered as well with that, what else we haven't got yet, and you know the likes of um, Cherry and so on. I'm hoping that we see more of her when she was younger, because we know we're heading back to the '60s, so it could be a wonderful life—not just Ruby, but the Doctor's effect on on them all. Uh, because if Ruby wasn't there, he wouldn't have gone back and met the family. So yeah, there's there's lots to dive into there. Whether whether that's just something that may or may not be explored. Yeah. No, I mean that, that I, I I hadn't picked up on it as a it's a wonderful life <sighs> riff, but yeah, that's absolutely what it is. Just how the world's a different place without without one person in it. And so yeah, that was really well well done, and it did kind of bring that kind of emotional charge to the the episode to to see the the tear running down the doctor's cheek um, it's it's been a while since i've noticed 
that I've been watching it and feeling jeopardy. And that's what I felt with this. I was a wee bit uncomfortable, as I suppose most people would have been about a baby on a conveyor belt going towards a goblin that was going to eat it. <laughs> that's a natural reaction. But there was some bits you thinking, oh, 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 oh. And I, that hasn't, I haven't had that effect from Doctor Who for a while. I'm a grown, I'm a grown adult, or, well, I'm an adult. Uh, <laughs> so you're not always going to get that but that's what I found about this episode what we were just discussing there the wonderful life thing the, the baby this, there was some real kind of oh I don't know what's going to happen here and that was that was an, a nice feeling mm-hmm. now, Stevie you mentioned a wee minute or two ago about the Goblin King being speared to death yes now interestingly that we know that Russell T Davis is a huge cynic when it comes to religion. And I found it fascinating <laughs> that pretty much the church came to the rescue and saved the day. I mean, quite literally, physically, the church, not just the church as a metaphorical body. Yeah. And I found it really interesting that the church is a thing that saves the day on Christmas Day. And the thing that I really laughed at, I don't know if you saw on Twitter afterwards, there was, I think it was a, an Anglican preacher uh, put a bit on promoting, here's what you should do, Like here's some really good church insurance, should an alien ship appear over your church building? And he promoted it, and <laughs> it was really, really funny, just the timing of it, and I thought, that's really, really good. So, how yeah. did you guys feel about that? I, do you know, I hadn't I hadn't really thought of it. I mean, as a, as a, as a child of the manse, I probably, I probably should have thought of this. But to be honest with you, as far as I'm concerned, blasphemous as this sounds had an alien spaceship appeared over our various churches or we'd had an invasion of creatures within the church that would have made my Sunday to be honest <laughs> it would have, Your it would have cheered it, yeah, it would have cheered up a whole load of services no end if we'd had to battle Daleks and Cybermen which is probably at that age what I was thinking of as my dad was doing his sermons sorry dad but um <laughs> So from my point of view, I just look at it and think, well, that's a handy pointy church. I wonder, oh, look, it, that did happen. Um, I would say that whatever your beliefs, and this is just a deep and meaningful for me, the church saves an awful lot of lives in very many ways. And you don't have to be religious or go to church. It's just the act of community or somebody putting that extra hundred quid into a charity shop at Christmas because they go to church and it affects so many people. Um, and so church can save in mysterious ways, not just by spearing the Goblin King. There, there's my there's my philosophical, philosophical bent for today. Well, for a start, the Twitter account, or the X account you're talking about is Father Edward Barlow, at Edward R.H. Barlow. Uh, <laughs> he's a mutual follower of mine. Um, so it was, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. He was the one who kind of tweeted about that. So that, that made me smile. Obviously, I've got a, a slightly different take on the whole Christmas uh, and, and and church thing. Uh, there was a bit of me watching, you know, the the priest, the the vicar, whoever it was, emerging from the church to kind of pick up the newfound baby, and I was thinking that would never happen at midnight. You'd be in the the vestry in the sacristy surrounded by everyone running around they'd be like fraggle rock you wouldn't notice <laughs> if it went off outside you know so um 
yeah, there was a little bit of poetic, dramatic license there that they would say, oh, I must pop outside. Did someone knock the door? <laughs> um, oh, there's a baby here. Uh, but anyway, yes, it was it was, it was was nice. Um, although you, I think it's been commented on um, by others in their, in their responses and reviews, it kind of comes out of nowhere slightly. You know, the Doctor Moff singing all dancing in front of the the Goblin King, and then, oh, hang on a minute, I'm going to impale you. It was slightly, <laughs> slightly killing the Christmas spirit somewhat, no pun intended. But hey, I guess if you if you need to see off a Goblin King, then that's 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 one way of doing it. I suppose this echoes of the um, the bowships of the Time Lords taking out the 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 great vampires and so on. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, I, I would have, I would have said though that he. Um... You know, pulling down on the ship, uh, he have no idea where the top of the church is going to go for. So it could have been poor Janice, no longer singing. You know, it just, just well, <laughs> lucky happenstance that it was the Goblin King depriving us of a great talent in the yes. in the process. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that um, my writer friend pointed out was that, given that the goblins thrived in coincidence, surely a better way of finishing the story off would have been to use coincidence against them. I mean, I suppose the fact that a church is coming up and going and stuck through him is a bit of a coincidence and a happy <laughs> well, kind of way. Really but coincidence, uh, that's gravity, Kenny. Mavity. Sorry. Mavity. Mavity, Mavity exactly. Mavity. Sorry, that was mentioned. Goblins don't like it up them. <laughs> they don't like it up them, sir. <laughs> but uh, I thought um, you know, it was a typical Russell T conclusion where um, the villain gets killed. There's no Stephen Moffat sort of way around it or sort of been defeated in timey-wimey and turned back into a child or something like that and made to think about the, the goblin it was the been, goblin prince yeah yeah uh-huh. straight up you're dead you've been murdered you're absolutely out of it no coming back you're a bad guy that's it sorted well, very russell you know, t do you know he, he 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 was a bad guy he was about to have some children mcnuggets it's not a good look so I think most people could accept he got what he deserved, and I doubt there were very many tears shed for the Goblin King. No, he I didn't. looking behind him, making sure there's no coincidences going on. Yes, absolutely not. And then, of course, we get the, the glorious ending with the pair of them reunited, and uh, we get the neighbour, Anita Dobson, which, uh, with that post-credits knowing look to camera, a lot of people have been tying themselves up in knots, stressing about this and stuff. Who is it? We must know who it is. It's Rani, it's Romana, it's whoever. It's like, do you know what? I don't care. I just want to find out. I'm not stressing about it. We'll find out in all due course. I've got more important things to worry about. And it's just nice having this that little mystery. It sets things up without being in your face and uh yeah, Anita Dobson's very good. Although somebody did point out on my Twitter when I said, who could it be? And somebody pointed out it could be President Eileen Clint from Red Rocket Rising and Blood of the Daleks from Big Finish with the Eighth Doctor mm. and introducing Lucy Miller. So that made me laugh. But uh, I'm looking forward to finding out, put it that way. I like a little mystery like that. There was great debates in our household, not about who she was, because everyone kind of accepted that uh, we'll find out. But two out of the three inhabitants of this house, if you exclude the dogs, did not like that they broke the fourth wall. And I said, well, Peter Capaldi did it in the bootstrap stuff. 
and that was quickly dismissed. But that was the the main argument here. No, she she broke the they she broke the fourth wall. That's not what you do in Doctor Who. And well, don't know. There is I a Doctor Who tradition going back to 1965 with a Merry Christmas to all of you at home. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not going to stress about who she is. I'm just going to mention a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the second reading, she said that she hadn't seen one of those police boxes for 50 years, which takes us back to 1973. That helps anybody with their conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And the very name of Flood flood and pond is what got my brain going thinking mm-hmm. is there a, a connection here or indeed is she just ruby it's not that we need to know but not that we need to stress interesting interesting character interesting drop in and we've talked about standalone episodes so we didn't go in having to know anything about who was what mm-hmm. but all the way through this we've been laced with things that hopefully the casual viewer will go, do you know I'm going to watch this because I want to find out who Anita Dobson is. I want to find out, you know, about Sherry. Who is Lulu Bell? Because again, there was an awful lot of um, Doctor looking at Lulu Bell. It was quite interesting how they tied it back to Timeless Child. You know, I was adopted, only found out recently. And then he's looking at Lulu Bell, and you can argue the fact that he's looking and thinking, oh, well, I was adopted, you're adopted. Or is there something more? Are we in a Moffat situation that we haven't seen all the scenes and we'll have a flashback to stuff we haven't? Mm-hmm. We That has been filmed and has happened, but we don't know about. Mm-hmm. No, I think that, that's yeah. a good point. It did feel very Moffaty, the fact that there's... Um... So the, the, the fact there was a child involved, which is not really something Russell T's done previously, and it did feel uh-huh. very Moffaty, the fact there's you no know, child background and sort of the doctor meeting them as a baby and that sort of thing and saving them from the word go. So, yeah, there was that sort of element to it, which is a little different from what we've previously had with Mr. T. Davis. I guess it's not just Mrs. Flood who's the who's the mystery, um, it's who, who um, Ruby's mum is. You know, as she walked off, I thought he was going to run after her. Is she going to turn round? I was analysing her walk to see if I recognised it. Obviously, I've got zero idea of who people are going by their walk, but I thought I'd give it a try. I thought, no, does that look like? And I know people were again speculating while they say, oh, is it Rose? Oh no, how could it be Rose? Oh, um... but yeah, there's, there's there's lots of intriguing questions that have been left hanging in the the Christmas air. Yep. And even who is Millie herself? Millie. I keep calling her Millie. Who is Ruby? Millie? Given that she's Ruby, got yep. the fact there's like no trace of her DNA. So we've got, again, that's a another Moffat-like mystery, sort of mm-hmm. the, a mysterious girl in a sort of kind of Clara kind of way as well. Mm-hmm. And you've got you've got Mrs. Flood saying, you know, good luck. Good luck, Ruby. You know, there's, there's obviously a, a knowing of something something beyond we are not privy to so yeah go for it russell let's uh he's had lots of time to look at other things and hear other things and what fans do and what's been accepted and what hasn't been accepted so and his writing has expanded over the years i mean you just have to look at it's a sin and other things and we all know what he's capable of well actually no we know what he has been capable of we don't know what he 
what else is in there. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it first time I watched it. Second time, I thought I, was, I maybe was looking a bit more sort of analytically at it because, I mean, say, Christmas Day viewing was great fun. Just what I needed, it, as, you, as you said at the top. I'd um, had my Christmas dinner, I was quite happily stuffed and they would sit back, hands on my tummy and just watch it and enjoy it. But more questions arose second time around and sort of, you know, plot holes and things like that. But do you know what? I don't care for a Christmas episode. I'm happy to let it go. Did it make me smile? Did I enjoy it? The answer to both of those questions is yes. And for a Christmas episode, I don't think you can ask for much more. No, no, no. I would, I would agree also, with that. It's... And also, I have to say, how great is it to have Murray Gold back with those wonderful orchestral scores? Love it. Mm -hmm. It's like an extra yeah. familiar character wrapping everything mm -hmm. together. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really love the the fifteenth, fifteenth theme. I really, I'm really into that. I found it. You know, we it's very strongly at the forefront of of the final shots of the the giggle. Um, and it's great to to hear it. It's just it's it, it's it's up there with with the other, well certainly with the the tenth and eleventh Doctor's themes. Yeah, and the twelfth. Uh, I love Capaldi. Uh, Capaldi's building up. Did you see mm -hmm. Doctor Who music live when it was at the Hydro? Either of you? Yes. Yeah, I went to the, the symposium. Yes. Wasn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, that was which was I mean the way that started with all the lights coming on and just the the bell yeah. chiming the start of Capaldi seemed just that was wonderful and just the way it built up to the, oh, to the energy oh it was it was amazing it was I wish they'd release yeah. a live version or a DVD of it because or even yeah, a CD of it it was so good it was incredible and the, again because of that music and the full orchestra and it travelling through you it really elicits an emotional response without even the video running along with it do you know what I thought was fantastic when I went to see it I can't remember what night it was and my daughter would have been I don't know seven or eight at the time I think and my wife hadn't seen a full orchestra I'd never heard a full orchestra live and we booked seats and it turned out to be basically at the front you know you had Jadoon and Daleks running about in front of us but the amazing thing was the last kind of run that they did they started off, the video started, and then it bombed out. There was an error. And the conductor, I forget who he was, very famous man, I just forgot his name, <laughs> brought everything to ben a close. Foster. Ben Foster. Looked over the technicians who were kind of like, Whoa. he let them fix it, got it back up and running, and off we went again. So everything was absolutely in sync to a huge round of applause as it went. And there's a Doctor Who moment for you. Everyone wanting to do it professionally, all the fans, everybody working together. Absolutely fantastic. I love it. I love it. No, I'm delighted by it. Now, the other thing you didn't mention earlier, the promotion for this. Wasn't it great to see Doctor Who getting some really good advanced promo? Not just like one satchel here or there but actually in several places and the fact that there was a cinema trailer again which was running until um i went to the cinema after christmas and they were still playing the trailer and it was great right just to see it in the big screen and just thinking that's my show in the telly almost like you know like that pride element so there it is and people are not laughing at it or turning away and talking mm -hmm. during it they're watching it and paying attention yep. which 
I'm afraid that a lot of that was lost during the Whitaker era. Yeah, I think, I mean, promotion, as you and I know, Kenny, is the, one of the most important things. And you can assume that your show is popular, but then you suddenly discover someone saying, oh, I didn't know you were on. You've got to promote and promote and promote the hell out of it, but you've also got to do it well. And I think they did. This was a one of those, you know, busy doing something, hearing the sting turning round and looking, even though you'd seen it two, three, four, five, six times. If you want a show to succeed, you've got to give good content. You've got to have that capture moment. And, and, and not just, you know, seeing it in, in cinema trailers, but also seeing it on billboards and even even here in the, the backwaters of Inverclyde, the, the the big screen in Port Glasgow, uh, which is a, a, a junction beside a big retail park, you know, uh, driving past that and seeing, you know, Shooty's face uh, appearing in that was, uh, yeah, somewhat of a thrill for me. I didn't mount the pavement, but, you know. <laughs> like, Take nice that as you will, YouTube viewers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think it's very much fair to say that the show's definitely back on track with the general public because my work colleagues were messaging me. I think afterwards. visually, the show was incredible. It looks incredible. So you take the sound, you take the story, but it it looked so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think. It might be a reflection of the fact it's been picked up by by Disney now, but um, a couple of days ago I read quite a lengthy piece in the New York Times about it. You know about wow. the taking over the the TARDIS and, and all of that, and it was looking back over the first stories of you know the the New Doctor since the. Uh, 2005 revival so I'll send you that I can gift you that as a subscriber if you want oh, to have you. a little peruse obviously it's not up there with the Scotsman Kenny but you know um, <laughs> you better explain that be... one John well in a piece of horrendous self-publicity uh, Kenny inveigled <laughs> his way onto the cover of the Scotsman magazine just before Christmas as a special souvenir episode um, or edition and um, no, it was a very good series of interviews with Doctor Who fans Scottish Doctor Who fans in the run up to the Christmas special and Kenny appears to have been identified as the as the of, of <laughs> that particular subset of sad people so I don't know what cast got mentioned well yeah uh-huh. Good to be a sidebar, Kenny. Good to be a sidebar. You're yeah. more than a sidebar to me, John and Stevie. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a song. <laughs> I have not yet seen said article because by the time I realised it was there, all the papers were away. So one of these days, it's still Kenny, online. But, it's still uh, online. I've got, Can you send I me a link? It, I will indeed. Um, I'll put it in the show notes as well for those who wish to see it. Because in this article, you learn that I'd far rather you called me a. T- than a Hoovian, so <laughs> yeah, I should, I should Coco. Yeah, I must admit, I, I, whenever I see the word Hoovian now, I, I think of Kenny's response, and I think we should maybe keep Kenny John away from Radio Four, the Today program in the morning. <laughs> yeah, 
We don't want so. them to go completely Margulies on us. I've never been accused of going completely Margulies, but yeah. But I thought that was that. I mean, I think that line I'd said actually was a sort of in a chatty line before we'd started actually doing the proper interview. But um, yeah, the, the rest of it was pretty fair. The rest of it was pretty fair. So I can say that as uh, having done the interviews and such like for a long time. But it was a good line, so. I'm happy with it. It's out there and it's absolutely true. So, yeah, although I did get an awful lot of texts from some of my friends who are saying, good morning, you see you next Tuesday. And, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> including um, Stevie, our former colleague, Mr. Keith McIntyre, who said, oh. if I'd known you hated being called that, I wouldn't have been calling you a see you next Tuesday. I'd have been calling you a Whovian. <laughs> You'd have found so, your, um, your email, your, your email um, uh, tail, whatever we call it. Signature might yes. have been changed a few times. <laughs> but there we go. So are we all feeling optimistic and ready for me with the next run? Are we feeling excited for it? Yes, I am. Uh, jumping in ahead of anyone else. I am. I'm really looking forward to it. I um, try not to go in with too much expectation to these things. But I'm genuinely excited about where we go next. Yep, me too. My only slight kind of, oh was when it said May, I had it in my head that we were getting back to Easter, you know, for the, the new series. And I thought, May, that seems like forever away, but I guess it's not in the, the greater scheme of things. But I just thought we would be getting it a bit sooner than that. And it's only an eight-week an eight, an eight run, so I suppose that, that takes us into June and that's before summer. Mm-hmm. But on the plus side, we can get new adventures with the Doctor and Ruby and Doctor magazine. I mean, look at the art there. I mean, isn't that just beautiful? So well done. As I hold up the latest DWM, the YouTube viewers can see that uh, with a picture there of Ruby. Yes. Fantastic and work the, there from Lee Sullivan. The subscribers can also see it for Doctor Who magazine because mine hasn't come in yet. I think there's been a delay in postage. No! So, uh, I, I live in a forest, Kenny. What can I tell you? It takes a while to get well, here. Okay. Are there goblins in the forest? I'm pretty sure there are. I'm just make sure I'm armed with a church tower when I go out. <laughs> As we all should be. As you all should be. <laughs> Fantastic. Any final thoughts, gents? Anything else you wish to add? I was just going to say, on I, I love the fact that we've got a, a live TARDIS when we're out in location. Uh, so it's not a... Oh, obviously it's a green screen no it's not a green screen it's real but it's well mapped to the camera so we've got the the lights flashing away inside and things happening when the door opens love that i thought that was a, a great effect and i hope that that continues i did discover somebody said that jody never used her key on the tardis have any of oh. you read that I apparently that. she's never put the key in the lock no one's ever seen it and she said herself she's never done it and i I was now. I am now looking to see if uh, Shooty is uh, using his key. I didn't notice whether DT used his key or not. Something to watch for, but that effect is just is just fantastic. Well, I don't know. That's never that's never occurred to me. No, I, I, I as I said, thoroughly enjoyed that Christmas treat. I thoroughly enjoyed the um, the specials, and I'm looking forward to to reading the novelizations in the not too distant future. And I can reveal exclusively, of course, that we will be having some interviews with the authors of the novelizations. Hopefully all four. But uh, I'm working on that at the moment, so we shall see. We shall see. 
So do let me know when you've read them because then we can have a discussion about them and we can do that just around our wonderful interviews. Well, that'll be that'll be one for you then, John. <laughs> As opposed to me. Show me the pictures, Kenny. Show me the pictures. <laughs> I don't know if they're illustrated novels, Stevie. I know no, that uh, no, I know you no, like no. your picture books. Um, but, uh, so it's, it's this it's, it's this week they come out, yeah. Yes, I think it's um, Tuesday. So yeah, right. I look forward to reading them. It'll be all exciting, and um, yeah, we can find out all about what was really going on in the Doctor's head during these adventures. Particularly, I mean, I'm looking forward to them all for different reasons. I believe there's some there's a cheeky nod to the original DWM strip in Gary Russell's Star Beast novelization, but um, we shall find out if that's true or not, based on something he mentioned when I spoke to him a couple of weeks back. So we shall see. Fantastic. Anyway, fellas, it's been great to start the new year with your company and uh, nice to be able to, to carry on and uh, with a nice easy schedule of one a week, unless of course other things happen and I feel the urge to drop extra episodes in, in which case yeah. you know there will yeah. be a message in the back phone, so stay tuned. Mm. One a week. Used to tell us. Unless. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Brilliant. Any, um, um, just uh, the wondering, you know, because we've obviously discussed music and songs. Um, take it, we're on the the Goblin song to go out with, rewritten well, by Stevie, yourself and starring John. You would think, you would think that, but you'll have noticed several times this episode I've kind of messed up and got the companion's name wrong by calling her Millie, <laughs> which of course is the actress. So there's something that I really, really should listen to that will make me remember her name. So I think we better get the Kaiser Chiefs in to educate me with their song Ruby. So I will be able to learn her name properly from that. So until next time, and I look forward to the next time we diddly deet you, I've been Kenny Smith. I've been Stephen Ditt. And I've been John Pearl. Bye bye. Let it never be said, the romance is dead, cause there's so little else occupying my